feel wonderful. We're recording, but we're not started. Okay. When do we start? Do we just do we just know? That's when we start. Damn, that's how we started off here. Morning. Morning. Welcome to Don't Feed the Artists. I like it. I'm Hagen Housshield. <laughs> I'm Adam Selby. I'm Jackson Russo. I'll let you introduce yourself because I don't know what to call you. Um I go by Kind Beats, but my name is Michael LaCroix, like the soda water. Yeah. yeah Mr. Beats. Yep. It's the truth. Was Mr. Beats your dad? Uh, No. His name is James. <laughs> yeah, I know. We uh, <laughs> called him once on an interview. We did. <laughs> yeah. I, I always bring that up, you know, pretty often in the other interviews, you know. But yeah. He was so confused. He was a little mad, too, after a, that. A little context of yeah. this is uh, Michael does his own uh, radio show. On actual radio, um, not just on, uh, you know, <laughs> throwing it on the wall as we do. Um, but uh, podcasts are not real, so <laughs> yeah. Some hey. would say it's not actual radio. I've heard before. Like, it's, not actual, <laughs> yeah. it's not actual radio, dude. Why y'all call it dinner radio? I'm like, I don't give a fuck, man. <laughs> it's a fucking name. Why you gonna be an asshole? About it? <laughs> I just want to talk to you. Like, is this an actual radio show? Well, I mean, not really. It's internet radio. I mean, does oh, it well. matter? Yeah. That's Does anybody like. listen to yeah. actual radio? Uh, that's a good question. <laughs> so uh, so Hagen and I's uh, band Moniker w- was on. Sick and, plug. And uh, <laughs> no. <laughs> Fuck you. <laughs> You're in the band. <laughs> it's a good band, too. I still have the Sorry, album. Hagen's bright shoes are blinding me. <laughs> um <laughs> So we were on, and uh, I don't know why we did it, but uh, you mentioned your dad or something. Oh, you had a gig, and I was like, oh, yeah, is yeah. your dad coming or something? And then we were like, well, let's call him and ask. <laughs> and you're like, oh, really? And I was like, yep. yeah, why not? Yeah, we called him right there. Yeah, most people don't use their like time for um, press to yep. you know do anything but talk about themselves. But I was like, oh, no, let's call you your dad. That sounds fun. my father. That's incredible. You're selfless. Yeah. You're I'm, selfless. Thank you. Yeah. But later when I called him, he's like, I was on the radio? <laughs> he's like, why would you do that? I'm like, Dad, nobody fucking knows. <laughs> like, it's not like you're... It's not real it's radio. Not like, it's not like your golf buddy was like, Scott, I, I saw, I heard your son call you the other day, and I, I gotta say, I was, I was just a little taken aback by the whole thing. <laughs> nobody was fucking... Yeah, it's weird. Are you gonna tell him about this? Probably. Good. I'm gonna. T- I'll tell him on Sunday when I see him. I'll be like, we had a whole conversation about how you shouldn't have gotten pissed off about that and how it was silly. <laughs> yeah, and he, he can be a little, you know, a little withdrawn from times. Yeah. So, so well, let's get into yeah who you are and what you do. Your right kind on. beats. Yeah. Um, is it safe to call you a DJ? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. At this point, like when I started off, like pressing buttons. Um, I never wanted to be a DJ. Like I just, I wanted to make my own beats and then have an hour of my, like, cause that's what all the sets were. You know, you go to an EDM festival, it's 45 minutes to an hour. So I wanted to have an hour of like all my own music and be able to present that. And so once I started doing that, then it kind of molded into like, oh, he's a DJ, you know, like this is, he has a computer and he presses buttons. So he's a DJ. Um, And then I, cause once again, I was like, I don't want to be a DJ. I want to be a producer. I want to make beats and then present those beats in the DJ format. But then I started getting like offers to play places like 
for a couple of hours at a time. And they were like, we'll pay you a hundred dollars an hour. And I was like, <laughs> like all, the, yeah, all, all my like pride is out the window, homie. Like let's, <laughs> let's do those three hour DJ sets. I am a DJ kind beats. If that's what y'all need. Did you have the, uh, like your setup or did you kind of just scramble something together? Um, I had, I had, uh, when I first, so like, let's go back a little bit. We're going to do, do, we'll travel back. Um, when I first moved to Denton, Where I was trying we? to, whoa, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I was trying to like figure out who was playing electronic music because when I first moved up here, I was trying to make like house music and dubstep and all that kind of stuff that I was going to the festivals and seeing. And there was a group called the Denton Dance Collective and, uh, they were, they were cool to me, but like I didn't really make a lot of music. And once again, I didn't want to be a DJ. I didn't want to just get up there and play other people's music. And so I bought a bunch of lighting equipment, you know, like, like, a, you know, racks and all that kind of stuff and floor lighting and top lighting. Cause that was kind of my in, like, how could I be cool with these guys and not try to bite on them as like DJs? Like, Oh, Hey, I can press buttons too. You know, no, I wanted to have another purpose. Like what was my reason for being at the party? So I was the lighting guy. And so I did lighting uh, for these dudes. And uh, as I did that, I got to know more and more people who were just kind of in the scene. And slowly but surely, like all the guys who are in the Denton Dance Collective, they went off and started doing their own things, graduated and all that. And there was this kind of this void in a way where it was like, oh, there's no electronic music anymore. There's really not a whole lot of DJs anymore either. And uh, I applied to Oaktopia because somebody told me I should. You know, so I did. And Danielle Longville booked me for that, which was super cool. And then played a few shows. Like first time I ever played as Kind Beats was at Oktopia um, at Andy's. Hell of a first gig. Yeah. So it was really, really cool to be like, oh shit, this is tight. Um, and so that was when I kind of thought, hey, you know, these guys are gone now and I'm not really biting on their scene anymore. Maybe I can kind of create something of my own. And that was when I started to make more like hip hop oriented type music. Um and things of that, you know, and samples and playing piano. And I wasn't so much into the EDM type stuff anymore. And uh, so, so once I started playing some more shows, started getting those offers to play that type of hip hop music at these residencies. Like hotels really liked it because it was groovy, but it was not abrasive. It had a beat that, you know, your person who enjoyed hip hop could bob their head to, but it also had the piano samples of Bill Evans that your grandfather or the funk of, um, you know, uh, let, let's see who am I thinking? Um, there's so many in my head right now. Um, like you could take a Bill Withers sample, you know, and, and flip that. And then all of a sudden, you, you know, you're, you're, or John Klimmer, you know, and all of a sudden you've got some 50, 60 year old guys head turning around because they recognize that sample from growing up, but now it's flipped in a totally different way. Yeah, listening to your music, I heard a couple samples that I was like, fuck, I know this. What is this from? And yeah. I could never quite place it, but I was like, I know this song, mm -hmm. or I know that. So at this point, you are, you know, doing your own stuff. It's yeah. Never, you know, taking requests, not that kind of stuff. <laughs> Sometimes, I, so like if I play at Harvest House, because they'll have you on for a set from 9 to nine to 1 a.m. So that's four hours. So I'll usually take that first hour and play uh, entirely my own set. And like I'll use that hour to hear new tracks that I'm working on and kind of see, okay, like does this pump here the way that it does like at home on my KRKs, you know, the exact ones you have here. Like 
How does this sound? How does the crowd react to it? Um, you, you know, kind of look around and see who's paying attention and that kind of thing. And then from there, after that first hour, I kind of look around a little bit more and go, okay, who's my crowd tonight? You know, as silly as it sounds, if I see a bunch of cowboy hats, I don't like, I'll throw in some Garth Brooks in there out of nowhere, you know, get a little, <laughs> you know, you know, get people dead because at that point, that's the way to do it. At that point, there's, it's, it's a job. So there's the two types of, of DJ sets. There's one that's for the culture which is where you usually play for an hour and you play all your music that you pour your heart and soul into and you're sitting and banging your head against the wall and you're EQing and you know you got to make all the samples perfect and it just takes a long time and then there's the sets where it's a job you know and you're going to play for 3 or 4 hours and your job is an entertainer you are no longer the beat maker you are an entertainer which is a big difference in me and the other five guys that I hang out with is that a lot of the time they're great DJs, but they're not going to entertain, you yeah. know, which is where I just, I don't know, it can sound cocky, but it, I, that's just where I I thrive in a way is in that entertainment environment, you know? Yeah. So, you know, playing those longer sets, um, you kind of take the requests and you watch the crowd and you see how the crowd's interacting because at that point, you're really doing it to keep people there for the bartenders and for yeah. the venue and to help that venue out. You're not doing it to make yourself look cool or as a good DJ. And also, you know, none of us have like four hours of material. And yeah. even if we do, we don't have four hours of material that we want to play anymore. Yeah. Yeah. And also people tend to not want to hear four hours of material from like even massive bands yeah i mean you you go see some of the biggest bands in the world and like normally who? they'll play like three hours three and that's like the most mm-hmm. three and a half and yeah. i mean four that's a lot mm-hmm. and especially for a local band no one gives a shit and the yeah. local bands don't give a shit they don't want to play four hours mm-hmm. and i, I other, do yeah the other thing about like <laughs> you know the difference between you know the dj thing and the band is it's just me so a venue can get me for way cheaper right. than they can get three to five to seven other people to come out. You know, they can pay me $50 an hour and, you know, that's, you know, or even less sometimes because Harvest House is just a fun place to play and they hook you up with plenty of beer, Yeah, you know, and, and waters. So shout out to Zach and all those dudes who, who take care of that. But yeah, I think that that was a, a big thing that worked too in my favor was that, um, like I said, the entertainment aspect is they were like, oh, and, and I, I, I do feel bad. I don't like for the bands out there. I never meant to take anything away from anybody if anybody feels that way. Because I've had a, a few a We're few all people. pulling from the same pot. It doesn't matter. <laughs> Not in like a malicious way or anything, you know, but they're like, yeah, you know, it's it's great that you're just yourself, you know, because then you don't have to split it with, with seven other people. I literally have in my notes, like the perks of just being yourself, like, you know, <laughs> being able to have your, theoretically, you know, if you're going to the right place with the right mm-hmm. sound equipment, you can put your whole setup in a backpack. Yeah. I can't do that. Mm-hmm. Like not even a little bit. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. And it's, there's no way it's impossible. I imagine it's tricky in some sense. I mean, like writing music on your own is a really great thing and a lot of people do it. But like when you're in a band, you bring a song maybe that you finished and then the band finishes it together Mm -hmm. and you just do what you want. You don't have to like worry about like potentially arguing or other input you Mm -hmm. don't like or whatever. So it's like that that does have somewhat of a stressful factor, I'm sure, of just like it's all on you, but also the, the perks of just... 
I can just, it doesn't matter. Yeah. I can just do it on my own. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, that brings up an interesting, uh, question I had. Uh, yeah, I have an interesting question. What is that's, it? That's that's not what I, what is I didn't mean to say it like that, question. but it came out that way. What's the question? <laughs> just uh really just asking what's your process of uh sampling? Like how does one go about sampling? Cuz that's something y- you seem to pull from, you know, it, you'll have like what sounds like a quote from a movie mm-hmm. and then you'll have, you know, actual songs or you'll yeah. just have a beat that kind of thing. I don't know how you do that. It cuz like just sitting here right now, if you're like, oh, Jackson, what song would you want to sample? Like, I have a million things in my head. I'm like, mm-hmm. I have no clue. Yeah. So I don't even know how you would go about doing it. <laughs> like what I do, um, it, so I call it sample surfing. And so I sit down and I have a record player, so I might start grabbing records and just setting them down. You know, I have a couple, like one of my favorite uh, jazz players is a guy named John Klimmer, who I've mentioned earlier. And I can put a record on and I'll be like, oh, okay, cool. Oh, wait. Like you, you start to think in two, four, eight, twelve, and 16 bars, you know, when it comes down to it. Cause when you're chopping the sample, what you're looking to do, not 32, I don't ever go 32. <laughs> you never go 32, bro. Never go a full 32. All right. Um, so usually I go for the first 16. Like that's what I'm trying to do is get a solid, loop in a way so i just start finding songs or i start listening and usually what i look for is something with less percussion like where the percussion is not super pronounced no offense hagen i don't i don't you know oh it's cool i'm basically (laughs) i will be useless soon (laughs) i don't get that but i agree you know and and so like for instance if if you've got a sample where you you go in, in Ableton. So Ableton Live is the program that I use. And so... Are you sponsored or something? No. But shout outs <laughs> to Ableton. Uh, Novation, what's up? And Akai, all my, all my friends. Um, yeah, Sriracha. <laughs> <laughs> Behringer Wines. I've been trying to get that sponsorship for years. All of my own little live feeds, I always have a, you know, Behringer, the classy choice. You know? <laughs> you know, having a cookout, graduating. Funeral, Behringer, the classy <laughs> choice. <laughs> yeah. But back to the sampling. Could um, you say that on your other show? No, not at all. <laughs> I can't say that shit. I can't say 90% of what I've said. Right now. That's why I'm just getting it out now. Yeah. Like, oh, finally. <laughs> ah, freedom. Even though Hagen may have to leave at some point, we can do this all night. Yeah, it's, it's all good. So to, to it starts off where I find something that the percussion's not super pronounced or... Um, it's the beginning of a track, um, and I will find where that loops so that it doesn't sound. So I'm gonna go back to John Clemmer again. Um, he has a track that goes da na 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 na. Loop that da na 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 na. Start that, um, and so then that's looping. And then what you do from there is you duplicate that sample um, within Ableton. And then you move that portion that you have looped just a little bit forward. So move it to where the, the first sample ends is where your second sample is going to begin. Um, and then you might have to move a few parts of the waveform to hit on the one and the four. You know, because in, in hip hop, for the most part, it's, you know, that kind of that one and the four. Yeah. Um, and then 
you go from there. And so I usually make four samples um, and that should be like my first four bars um, is what I do. And so I'll, I'll chop that up. And once I have, I'll extend that out to 16, never 32. Um, All right. All right. <laughs> I'll extend that out to 16. And then from there, once I'm like, okay, cool, everything's in time, everything's creative enough to where I'm not going to get bored listening to this for the next two hours. Same with the listener. You know, most of the time, if you haven't made it, people will get bored in the first, you know, seven seconds. They're going to decide whether or not to skip it or keep listening. Do you start to lose your mind when you're looping a sample? Yeah. As I, much as I lose my mind yeah. when I'm, I have a snare hit just going on loop for maybe 20 minutes. Yeah. I hear just shit. Just trying that, to EQ yeah. it. You start to hear shit that doesn't even exist. Yeah. Yeah. You start to hear noises that aren't really there. And you, if you listen to it for too long, you will start to pick up things that, that truly aren't, aren't there. So once I get to that 16 bar point, um, then I'm, I'm usually like, okay, cool. Like now we have to go back and make the drum beat more dynamic. Cause at first it's just going to start off with just at the 90 BPM, 90 beats per minute or 88 or 85 or 80 or whatever you're going to choose. Uh, then you got to kind of start to go through and then like in hip hop music for the most, like your, your, your kicks are very important. You know, you want to kind of you know, but, but your, your snares, you'll throw in the ghost notes later on, you know, you just want to get a solid pattern at first and then you can start to throw in the more like, like that stuff that you hear, but you're not really aware of it, you know, is what I always yeah. explained was like a ghost note is, is something where it hits, but it's kind of just in the, in the mix somewhere. So once I've got that done at 16 bars, you know, so first the samples, then the drum beat becomes more complex. And then after that, I go back to the samples and then I start to sub out different portions of that song. So I might have like a hoo ha bum bum ba da da. So from there, it might go hoo ha bum bum ba da ba bum bum bum. You know, and so you start to put different samples at different portions that, in a way, it's math. It mathematically makes sense, you know. Music is. 100% yeah. math. Mm -hmm. And so yeah. the patterns start to make sense and they develop and they become more creative and you as the list as a listener you you catch on and you're and as a producer you have to know when something is there too often and when it's not there enough. And that's when you you know you do have to take it to a few friends or like a community of people. Reddit's a big one for me to go to and put music on. What uh, subreddits are you? I using? use Reddit Lo-Fi, Lo-Fi Hip Hop. I use Reddit Future Beats. I use Reddit Chill Music. Um, yeah, and that helps quite a bit. There's like know? a bunch of little Reddit um, mm -hmm. subreddits that I'm part of, like uh, We Are the Music Creators and yeah, stuff like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and it it. it everyone's super kind to each other or they'll yeah. say like oh yeah you know like this sounded great i couldn't hear this i don't know if that was on purpose and mm -hmm. it's just like oh shit yeah no yeah. it wasn't that kind of stuff they're yeah. great yeah when i was you know learning most of the stuff that i know now that was where i learned most of it was on those subreddits and yeah. guys who there are probably about like five or six that i continuously have continued to follow like one named metza uh, he play. He's from the Northwest, and he plays a bunch of shows. He's, he's he kind of does like what I do, but up in the Northwest, like not huge name or anything like that. But you know, plays opens for a lot of significant names out there. Um, another, there was a girl who went by the name of Jay Roosevelt, and a few years ago she moved out to L.A. and she's done really well for herself, also. Yeah, um, yeah. It's like the one light place of the uh, internet. Yeah. I hope it's pretty dark out. I there. hope if you uh, end up listening back to this uh, 
episode at all. Sorry, I'm trying to uh, make sure a cat doesn't step on keyboards. <laughs> um, but uh, I hope if you listen back to this episode at all, uh, that you uh, sample you talking about samples. Like the, oh, oh man, that's that'd be really, great. That's a really good idea. It would be, be very good. Yeah. So when you when you do the sampling process and then you add the drum beat, mm-hmm. do you ever like? Do you add like a bass line underneath the sample as well? Yeah. And so then do you either figure out the key of the sample or do you like pitch match the sample to something you already have? Uh, I always, I always do. So the, the bass is what I always do last. Okay. Um, I guess that's just kind of been like the way that I do it. But uh, yeah, I will figure out the key of that sample and then, and then go from there. And, uh, you know, and uh, only recently did I really start to feel more confident in my bass lines. I always said that was my weakest point was mm-hmm. I'm not very good at bass lines. Um, and as I listened to, a, started listening to a lot of music, uh, a lot more of my type of genre and I started to go, Oh, okay. That's okay. That, that, that. And, and then I, I just delved in for a while on, um, creating my own bass synth, like my own synths within Ableton and figuring out like how to make it was basically how do I make it like p- like plucky like a guitar bass but um like kind of but still have that like hip hop bass hit you know yeah so where it kind of is boom but like it uh it has the uh, sustain that you want in it to where like if I hold that key down it's gonna go boom like that and then when I let go it's done you know so it's boom 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 you know, so that where it continues that bass through yeah. and then you can side chain the bass. And if anybody doesn't know, side chaining is where you put a compressor on there on your instrument and then you side chain it to the kick drum. So every time the kick hits, the bass ducks underneath it. So if it hits, you know, boom, and then a kick hits, boom, you know, I guess that's how I would describe that. Is it, is <laughs> that's it a good boom? sample right there? Yeah. yeah you, you have to sample that yeah, one. Yeah. Is it, is it, is it ducks under, is it ducks underneath it? And you that allows like Kazooie. <laughs> And it allows for like the the drums and the samples to breathe, but you still have that that tone underneath. And you gotta be careful of it too, like because you can your ears, you know, will will get tired, and the next thing you know, your bass is way way too spiked up. You know, I'll be honest, I didn't think this was gonna be this technical of an episode. <laughs> <laughs> I'm pleasantly surprised, I, um, I, and that's one thing, man. Is like. I've had a lot of people who don't even know that I can play instruments. You know? I wasn't, that wasn't a, like a slight against DJs. No, I was not just at all. saying like, yeah. I did not expect us to get this yeah, technical yeah. compressors and such. Yeah. You know, side chaining. But if anybody wants to see this stuff, you do have uh, on your Facebook page, the late night vibe sessions. Yeah. Yeah. If I, you want to explain that, uh, yeah. you have like 12 right now. Yeah. Yeah. And um, so, yeah, I, I, for a little while, I didn't do them, but it's because I met a girl. And she's really cool, but we'll move on past that now. So I wasn't doing them for a while because I got <laughs> oh, preoccupied. Okay. I was like, what does that have to do with anything? <laughs> That's Because <laughs> like, oh. I did them for a while, like really consistently. You know, I was doing them a lot, and like then I got distracted and, you know... Um, now, now that that's all like settled into a really nice place, um, I've started doing them more. Uh, and so there's a guy um, on Facebook. He goes by Stolen Drums, S T L N D R M S, and he's out of Atlanta. And I, I was, this is crazy. I had a residency down at a hotel in Dallas, and the music that I would play, this bartender really liked. And he came up to me one time, and he's like, "Hey, man, have you ever heard of this guy named Stolen Drums?" I'm like, nope. 
So I looked him up on SoundCloud and he had a link to his Facebook. And it turns out that he did these live feeds where he would make beats live, you know, and he would have the samples and, and I just thought it was really cool. And, uh, so I wanted to figure out how do I do that? What technology do I need to be able to do that? And so saving up some money, uh, bought the stuff that I needed to be able to stream it live. And, uh, then, um, I was able to do them for a little while and then my phone went out on me the screen just stopped working. So then I bought a new phone, but then that phone wasn't compatible with the technology that I had with like my technology. It's a real bummer. Uh, and then I recently got, uh, got a new phone. Um, and so I'm able to do them a lot more often now. Uh, and have and have been able to, and so I started doing that just because I want as not kind of the way of promotion, but I started challenging myself to make a beat in an hour. You know, was the late night vibe session was I would sit down and I would search for the sample like a sample, or I'd play the keys, and as soon as I found something I liked, that's when I would go live. I didn't want to start completely from scratch, even yeah. though I've done that, but I wanted to have something to kind of start off with, whether it was a piano riff or a sample or something like that. And it's great because these things do feel raw sometimes because mm-hmm. like the first one I watched you, you have this nice piano going and you're like, I could tell, okay, that's going to be the sample. And then, you know, just as audio equipment does, it made some weird wah yeah. noise. And I was just <laughs> yeah. like, that's fucking hilarious. Yeah. Yeah. It was I, great. I actually had a one time where my lamp ex- like, uh, I don't know how it happened, but my the light bulb just went, like just exploded, <laughs> right? Like, like just went, the ghost like, said, "Damn, oh, that's a shit. sick beat." Yeah, <laughs> there's a there's a there's it's out there. It's on my live stream where I'm sitting there, and then all of a sudden I'm just working a beat, and all of a sudden I just go, and I like stare over, and I'm like, and I look up at the camera, I'm like, "Yo, my lamp just exploded." <laughs> I was gonna ask you to uh, if you knew which one it was, but don't say because everyone yeah. should go and find them. Yeah, they'll yeah. listen. It, to all, it's it's all in there somewhere. But I started doing that as a way to challenge myself, as a way of promotion, um, and uh, just kind of a way to, as silly as it sounds, it's like that. I don't know that thing that what's that that thing that we all get when someone likes your picture or likes your post or whatever a boner yeah <laughs> I did it for the boners <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's what it was um, could you say that you on know, your show I, no not at all <laughs> I do I do this for the boners do not edit that out all I right? won't I do it for the boners um, so. Yeah, it it just it seemed like something fun to do, and it, it made me want to make music more. And it was a way to challenge myself because, like you, you, you can sit there for hours knocking your head up against the wall, like oh maybe she do this, maybe she do this, maybe she do this. But when you only when you challenge yourself to an hour and there's people watching, you think about about it. But you don't you don't think about it as much, and you're just like okay, cool, that's that. I've only got an hour. Time to move on. Yeah, there's something about a deadline because if you're in my line of work like actual work uh mm-hmm. there are you know the technical side of things and then there's the graphic side of things when you present it to people who don't know the technical side yeah and the graphic side you could do that forever but mm-hmm. there is a time frame where you just have to be like i can't do this forever so i need to get bare bones and then work from there and wherever i end up that's the end point yeah for sure it, it's it yeah it, it helps me to work faster um and I figure out new stuff as well that like I'd never done before. I don't ever show the mastering process because that's just boring as hell. Yeah. <laughs> it's it, I don't know how mastering engineers do it, man. Like you truly gotta love it. Like if I had the funds, I'd pay for someone else to master every single one of my tracks, but yeah. I don't, so I do it myself. 
Um, so I just like to show the creative side of it, you know, and, you know, it helps more people to discover you. It helps new people to see it. And then hopefully those people will come to shows and then that all builds from there. So it's, it's, it's always weird. Like the clout, you know, kids talk about clout, you know, and, and I have, is that the one that itches and burns a exactly. little bit? You don't no, want it's it. the thing in the sky. You don't oh yeah, the clouts, uh, the claps. You mean not whatever. that, that yeah. dust on my ceiling? Yeah. Fuck. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> I like, look up and I was like, fuck, that's dirty. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's it's one of those things where you want to have more followers and you want to have this and that like but I've Every I've never had a promoter ask me like how many followers do you have? Yeah, I've never had anybody ask me that. Well, my I've always thought about this, and people are like, "Oh, why do you invite people to like your Facebook page?" Because, and I'm like, "Well, when it really comes down to it, I don't care about that, but I do music and I do all this because I enjoy it. Yeah. But I spend so much time and money into it that I want to at least try to get people to listen to it. If they mm-hmm. don't, fine by me, but I have to at least try. Yeah." I think we would all make music, whether anybody listened to it or not, but it's pretty nice when they do listen to yeah, it. Yeah. And it's about communicating you know, or communication with somebody. That's, this is how I express myself, you know, is, is through this art form. I'm not a photographer, or a filmmaker, or a painter, or a writer. Yeah. You know? yeah. What's then, better than people listening to your music is people having you on their show to talk about yeah. your music. There so high five to all of us, except we, for Adam. We yeah. did it. <laughs> we nailed it. I think the other thing about like Facebook likes and Instagram followers is that a promoter won't ever ask you like mm-hmm. how much it is. But like if you're going on tour or if you're playing a big show, and they're like, "Oh, cool, let's look, let's let's look at this band," and they see there's like not that many likes and there's not that many posts, it's like, well, I don't know if this band yeah. or this artist is worth like really giving them like i mean maybe their music's great but if they don't tr- care like if like if they don't mm-hmm. have activity if they don't post it's it's like that hidden part of it an interview where like you don't think you don't see them going through your facebook but they do it yeah, yeah. it's it's exactly that yeah. just for music mm-hmm. yeah and the i've see that's what i was, I was like i've never been on tour you know, like I've, I've tried, and my, my girlfriend always makes fun of the way I say it to her. She's like, it's tour. I'm like, tour is spelled T-O-R-E. I thought it was tur. Yeah. Tur. <laughs> tur. Yeah. Going on tour, man. Dangle boom hammer, man. Dangle tour. Hate all tour, man. Um, I've, I haven't gotten to do that yet. I've only recently started to develop those like connections. Um, and those have come from shows that I've played in Denton or Dallas. And as I've, you know, ex- expanded that. So there's a guy up who hit me up. He lives up on the East Coast. He was like, come out. I recently got a, offered a gig in San Francisco. Unfortunately, can't go, couldn't go do it. Um, I could, and then they retracted it because apparently they got somebody else. I was like, all right, why the fuck would you ask two people like to come play a fucking show and then just crush my hopes and dreams, baby? And then they hit me up like three days later. They're like, oh, hey, the slot's open again. I was like, oh, I've kind of, I've moved on, baby. <laughs> <laughs> I've accepted defeat. All right, like, I'm, I'm, I'm cool. I'm, I'm cool with it. Yeah. Um, but I, you know, I. That's a question that I've asked at on my show. Probably almost every band that's gone on tour. Uh, you know, Pearl Earl was somebody that I asked because they had just gotten back from a tour, and uh, other bands that I talked to as well. And yeah, I see like like Sad Cops. They're about to go on like a. 12 city tour you know and yeah. it's it, so 
I don't like I feel like there's a difference between what I do as a beat maker and a DJ compared to what bands do, you know, when you're in a band and I don't know if it's like easier to not easier, but it's there's more resources, you know, when you're a band. Um and the fact that there's three to five people means that there's three to five times as many people likely to show up than for just one. Yeah, and then you're also looking at I mean, you're looking at who all can help book the tour and you have more manpower, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, but I and think, women power. Yeah. Sorry. Sexist. I know I'm a piece <laughs> of shit. Um, I think that the, the really big thing, like you said, the resources for bands are so big, especially because of the venues. Mm-hmm. When you look at booking a tour, there's so many venues that are just like, yeah, rock bands, whatever. But like, even as like a jazz band, it's harder. And then being a DJ, you have to then find a venue that mm-hmm. is like cool. Like I, all the last tour I did, I don't think any of the venues like would be a DJ bar. Yeah, it's just not. It's just, it sucks, but it's yeah. just not the way it is. It's weird mm-hmm. how that works. It, 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 it totally. You know, like when I was up in. Uh, let's see, when I was in. Why can't I remember this this city that we're in? I was in Memphis. I was up in Tennessee, and we went to this bar called the Old or called the Dirty Crow. And uh, to me, it was like you've got a you've got a uh, you've got a back patio, and you've got power. You can have you know a DJ yeah. back there, and like that was a place that I thought of. Even though I don't think in a million years they would want to have one, but. The reason that I've been, you know, successful with air quotes is the fact that I was never afraid to walk up to anybody, no matter what the venue or what it was. Like if someone's gonna tell you no, I've heard no a thousand times and rejected, but I like in all this shit. No, you're not good enough for this. No, you didn't make the football team. Nah, no, I don't want to dance with you right now. You know, so you just get used to hearing it, and then it's all good. And then eventually, somebody's gonna be like, yeah, and then you're like, oh shit, somebody said yes. And then they most likely have a friend that might say yes, or they know somebody down the line, you know, or they're going to be like, wow, I never expected. I remember when I played at Andy's one time and, uh, do you know who Dana is? Big old dude had a big burly beard. He's got a scar on the side of his head. Okay. Dude looks like he would rip you in half, (laughs) but he's one of the friendliest night. And he came up to me. He's like, I had my doubts but I really like what you played tonight. And this is a guy who does not look like you enjoy jazz-infused, hip-infused hip-hop beats, but he did. And so I was like, oh, cool. And um, one of the door guys, I cannot remember this guy's name, I feel terrible, um, uh, at uh, Eastside, he dates the other red-headed person in, uh, in Denton who always dresses like Laura Croft. Um, <laughs> I can't remember her name or his name, but he Tell came about, up to me. About Andrew? I think so. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Those two people were super nice to me the first time they ever heard me play. Are you the other redhead who dresses like Laura Croft? <laughs> <laughs> I'm confused. Laura Croft on a bad month year. <laughs> no, unfortunately not. I'm going like, to sit back and try and work this one out. <laughs> this should go on. You should yeah. You should make that your goal for 2019. Is to be the other redhead who dresses like Laura Croft. Yeah. I got to work on this gut. So I can start wearing belly shirts and shorty shorts, carrying two pistols, taking out ghouls and goblins, whatever the fuck she fought. But like those people are always really cool to me. And so that got me in the mindset of like. (laughs) I think what she fought was a British accent. 
<laughs> if we're talking about the Angelina, about Angelina Jolie. Jolie. I, I don't think I ever even saw that one. Talking about the video game. Yeah. What? There's a video game? Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, but, like, <laughs> interacting with all those people, like, and how friendly they were made it... I was no longer afraid to approach any venue or any place. As long as they had speakers, then, you know, maybe maybe this this will work. You know, and and hilariously enough, like, it started to. People started to catch on, and people started enjoying it. And I, I think that... 75% of my like success at like being able to do this and like make, you know, some money at it um was always just not being a dick, you know, and like being nice. It's a good policy. Yes. Yeah. I got to try that. It was just being genuine, you know, being <laughs> a, a genuinely nice and honest. Like there's people who I've I haven't been nice to, but it's just been honesty. You know, of like letting them know, like, hey, your I, music is depressing. <laughs> yeah, that'll happen. And then you're like, well, shit, maybe it is. Maybe I do need to step this up. That was, was that on mic? Did yeah. We, no, I don't think that was on no, mic. No, that wasn't on mic. Hell yeah. Oh, it wasn't? No, Doesn't we, matter. I Keep going. not fucking story yet. Hey, <laughs> just don't even worry about it. She was it. mean. Anyways. <laughs> it's almost better to not explain it. Yeah, I'm not going to explain it. Just when you're 35 Michelob's deep. You know, you just be quiet. <laughs> Smoke your Virginia Slims. Yeah, your music's up. depressing. Your choice of beer is depressing. Jesus Christ. <laughs> it has low calories. Well, you drink 15 of them, motherfucker. The calorie intake is over. Well, <laughs> <laughs> you're done at this point. For me, when people tell me my music is depressing, I'm like, oh, thanks. <laughs> it's like, oh, That's exactly what I was you trying to get it. Fuck yeah. It's awesome. I do like American mm-hmm. football. <laughs> oh, God. So uh, your music was depressing at one of your residencies, right? Yes. And you currently have more or less two residencies mm-hmm. in Denton, right? Yeah. You have the LSA one, mm-hmm. and then you also do the Breakfast and Beats, right? Yeah. So we do Burgers and Beats and Breakfast and Beats because yeah. we like alliteration. Um, so Breakfast and Beats, that started... I just had, it's over a year old now. So we've done like, you know, I guess over 62 of those at this point. Um, and that started, I had an idea, which was, I was just going to make breakfast and have people come over and play beats. Like I was just going <laughs> to make a little Facebook post and be like, Hey, I'm going to have these three beat makers and I'm going to make a shitload of breakfast tacos. Y'all come over if you want. Um, and I was, I was dating this girl, um, named Tiffany Johnson who did the booking at backyard for a while. Um, super cool. And I told her about the idea she was like, fuck that. Do it at backyard. I was like, for real? She's like, yeah, we'll give you a budget. I was like, fuck. And, um, so we, we, we did it. I advertised it. We did it. And, um, it went super well. Like the bartender was really happy about it. Um, and she was like, Hey, can y'all do this every week? I was like, well, let me ask Tiffany. And she's like, yeah, we'll do it every week. And so backyard started sponsoring my radio, one of my radio shows on Denton radio and then we did the the show there as well at, at at that place, and so we've done over a year of those, and we've had people from Dallas, we've had people from out of Texas, we've had people from Plano, Fort Worth, Austin, Houston, just I mean kids who've never showed anybody their beats. That was a that was what I wanted to do was give somebody who's in their bedroom making music a place to you know show people, hey, here's what here's what I'm doing, here's my art, artistic endeavor. 
and backyard still does it and they're super cool about it and they love it. And you know, some weeks are great. Some weeks, not like last summer, it was packed all the time. Um, this summer was slower, you know, but <laughs> and the Joe James told me, he's like, look, I don't show up cause it wasn't fun. He's like, I just couldn't get that fucked up on a Sunday anymore. <laughs> he's like, I'd show up at, you know, one and we get fucked up from one to six o'clock at night drinking mimosas. Next thing you know, you're home. It's eight fucking 30. You wake up at seven o'clock in the morning realizing what the fuck just happened to my Sunday. You know? So that's why a lot of people are like, yeah, not but then you, you have some more people show up and new people show up and that's a lot of fun. And then, LSA, like I worked there for three and a half years and everybody has like their qualms with that spot. Some people love it. Some people hate it. Some people like the parm fries, but say, fuck the owners. Like, you know, like food's good, but fuck those guys that own that place. You know? So like, to me, I was like, yo, I just served fucking Miller lights and shit to people here. Like, you know, as a means to an end. And what was tight is one of the owners would actually come in every Christmas and give me a hundred bucks and say, thanks for what you do. You know? So like, it's not a lot, but you know, and he, he doesn't slap have your give... ass and call you tits. I wouldn't mind that at all, baby. <laughs> you know, <laughs> slip it right into my G string. I'd be cool with that, dog. <laughs> you know, not a, not a problem. Man, that would be. Yeah, great. But he didn't Him. have to give me shit. So, I uh, I we played music there one night for this girl named Savannah. Her birthday. Uh, she works there, and we played just beats there and people really liked it you know staff really liked it managers liked it people who were eating liked it because it was a change it wasn't the same fucking miranda lambert song over and over and over again um beyonce yeah or beyonce jesus yeah you can call it man every four songs it's probably beyonce man so i worked there for years so i've almost my own personal i almost snapped a couple times like there, I'm the reason they took Miranda Lambert off that fucking playlist because I was about to. I went up into the office and just lost my shit. I was like kicking straw boxes all over the place. You don't want to break anything, so you just kick straws around, you know. Um, but it went really well that night when we played for that birthday party, and so I hit them up and said, "Hey, like, let's make this a a monthly thing," you know. So we started doing it once a month, and people really liked it. And so then I sat down and talked to them. And they said, "I was like, let's do it twice a month," and they were like, "Okay, cool." And so we started doing that twice a month. So we're at Backyard every single weekend on Sunday from noon to three. And then the first and third Wednesdays of the month up at LSA from uh, seven to 10. Now that the sun is setting at 530. We can move on after this. What did you have something to say? Hagen? No. Cool. Um, we can move on after this. But uh, one thing I wanted to ask before we start moving on to other segments is uh, since you are the single contributor of your music and you know you really are the driving force of it um do you find that it's uh, your output is a lot more like easier more prolific because of that or do you find yourself hindered because you're the only person and you're like oh no that's not good enough i'm not gonna release that you know for a while i definitely hindered myself here's a question and i don't think we how long have you been doing this can you put like a time yeah. frame um i have been making beats for at this point seven years i got good at it probably about three and a half years ago um and is that when you like started releasing yeah exactly yeah yeah, yeah. um the first beat that i made that was a kind beats beat was just me on the piano and i had been practicing the piano for three or four years at this point i play i played guitar growing up uh, but my buddy, 
he was like, dude, you, I had a 16, this pad, this basically a thing with 16 pads and I would play that. And that was how I'd make beats. He's like, dude, every fucking song is the same 16 notes or chords or some shit. Cause you're just pressing these 16 pads. So he gave me a keyboard. He's like, learn how to fuck to play this, please. Cause I can't stand this shit anymore. And I'm like, all right, man. So that's when I, I, I started playing and you know, for a long time, I was always like, this isn't good enough. This isn't good enough. But I think what happened was, is I wasn't making what was true to myself. I was making, I wanted, like I said, I was like, I wanted to make heavy EDM stuff, you know, but really that was all because it wasn't because I loved the music. It was because I loved the attention that was happening with this individual and the hypeness and, you know, and then I realized that I was like, that's, and it, it was a maturity thing. You know, as I got older, I was like, that's not really what I want to make. You know, I like, I don't really want to do that. I, I, I still enjoy that music. Don't get me wrong. I really do. I'll go to some of the shows of the acts that I still like. I don't really you know? want to make money. <laughs> <laughs> I guess so. I, I guess that's what I said. Um, but I, I decided that. Sorry. Yeah. I, I, I took on a different look where I was like, I, and I, dude, I used to go to those late night clubs till 3 a.m., 4 a.m., or they opened at 3 a.m., you're leaving at 7 a.m., everybody's those eyes things are, are terrifying. fucking huge the whole time, everybody's fucking out of their mind on whatever, um, and I, I remember sugar. like driving home after, yeah, sugar, I remember after driving home after one of those, and we were listening to this guy named Lapalux, he's an English producer, and he just makes this beautiful, melodic, deep, kind of ambient hip-hop music and i was like fuck man like this feels way better than what i was just listening to and that's when i kind of started to change that i wanted to be the type of music where after the party was what people were listening to or maybe i was just kind of like in the background like some enjoyable sound that you that you could hear uh and once i started making the music that i wanted to make one of my favorite producers lido he, in an interview with him, he's like, I tried making every different kind of music, but the first track that I ever put out that was truly my own was literally the thing that made me like, you know, learn that, oh shit, I can just make whatever I want, you know? And if, if and if you do it long enough, you're going to gain a fan base of, of, of some sort. And so for a while, yeah, man, you know, I hinder, it would hinder me all the time. Oh, this isn't fucking good enough. This isn't good enough. This isn't good enough. But then I felt like I, got good enough, you know, and I practiced and practiced and practiced and practiced and stayed home and practiced and practiced and didn't go out and practice and practiced and lost girlfriends and practiced and practiced and practiced. Cause like that, that was what I wanted to do was figure out how can I be the best at this as possible? I'm not going to be the best in it. Cause that's just not going to happen. But how can I be the best that, that I could be at that moment? You know, you yeah. try your darndest kids, <laughs> you know, it'll be all right. So, um, yeah. I meant to mention this in sampling, uh, but I didn't get around to it. I'm very basic uh, when it comes to DJs, and my mm -hmm. vinyl collection is just uh, Daft Punk and Aphex Twin. It's perfect. It's good. But it's good, though. I have an Aphex Twin record that one day it started skipping, and I got in an argument with my girlfriend whether it was skipping or if it was intentional, because <laughs> that's what Aphex Twin sounds like. I was yep. just like, no, this is the song. Yeah. I, I promise you. And then after like 30 minutes on the same side, I was like, <laughs> I think it's skipping. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But honestly, like listening to that record, sometimes it, because when my Radiohead records skip, I get really pissed off. Yeah. But whenever my Aphex Twin 
record skipped it's like oh yeah this is different that's so cool like (laughs) it it'll skip in different parts sometimes and i almost like it better when it skips which is i like how he dropped that part out right there yeah that was good how do you know how to do that that's amazing then i turn and my cat's just standing on the record (laughs) but so you mentioned that you haven't gone on tour Mm -hmm. so we normally have a segment called tour stories but i say this week we call it your stories. Hey, okay. that's good. I, I like that. it. I was yeah. creative. And so you have to give us your highs and lows. It can be, you know, of just m- anything. All the <laughs> oh, way oh from gosh. Michelobes to residencies. Yeah. And if you if you've done out Whatever of town stuff, think about that. It can be mm-hmm. any show you've done, just high and low. Yeah. You can start with either one. So I'll we'll start with we'll start with a low. We'll start off with a low. As they so, always do. Um, I got booked to go play a show at a lovely venue called the Aardvark in Fort Worth. <laughs> <laughs> that place is not lovely. Fuck the Aardvark. Haven't we talked about this on the show already? If not, we're doing it now. I think somebody else did too. Yeah, and, was... and, and this is my low. They have the a way. cool uh, um, stage, though, the little light bulbs thing. I like that. That place, didn't it shut the fuck down? It, it did. It, 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 it did, but like it opened back up for a minute. And they then, changed yeah. the name to a no, different weird still... marsupial or some shit, the kangaroo. <laughs> it was still the yard park. The lights were cool, yeah. and the stage was cool, except for the fact that the, the, the ceiling was so low. Mm-hmm. So whenever like it was summer, it was just the hottest fucking stage in the world. My favorite thing was when they would let all the uh, TCU kids in, and you're like, oh my God, yeah. it's crowded. I'm going to yeah, get was paid. Yeah. And then you realize that they just let them in Yeah, that's what for the free. fuck they did to us. <laughs> that's what the fuck happened, man. So like, not only that, but I'm going to get a little pissed off and my North England accent from my father might come out. So I'm sorry if I start to sound like fucking Mark Warburg. Wall, Wally, whatever the fuck. Mark Marky Wahlberg. Mark. Yeah. We don't so, call him so his real there. name here because yeah. he sucks ass. <laughs> Marky Mark. He sucks. Dude, the Italian job was pretty good. No, but he's a racist. Oh, okay. Well, that makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> I would just pin that on him already. Yeah. You know? So I get so I get there. Not like, first off, I should have known. And I've learned, you know, since these, these gigs. There was no guarantee, you know, no guarantee on what I was going to make. Um, so you, you drive out to Fort Worth, you know, which who knows if it's gotten better. I was like, I think the last time I went out there, um, and it was just a God awful drive. We get out there, I get parked, uh, go inside and I'm getting stuff set up. I'm getting my, you know, I get my table set up and everything. And the sound guy shows up and he starts like lecturing me on like chords I should have had and things of that nature. I was like, motherfucker, I've got quarter inch to XLR. You run two more XLRs into these things, plug them into wherever the fuck you hook up sound, and we're done. That's all you got to do. That's fucking it. You go turn your fucking mixer on, crank the shit up, and I'll control it from there, man. Like, that's all the fuck you have to do. It's way easier than a band. Yeah, you don't have to, you know, there's not, there's not four or five mics for the drums. There's not, you know, all this, the, you know, the listening to each instrument, making sure it's where it needs to be. You know, you don't have to like walk around the venue and check to make sure the vocals are, you know, hitting everywhere and the dynamics are on point. But this motherfucker couldn't even get the bass working. Like there was no bass. So I played an hour long set where the only things that were working were my two monitors. What? So granted, there's only about 20 people in the venue, you know, so it's not that bad. But it's like, dude, like, and not only that, actually, it was one monitor. He had one monitor working. 
Now, I went through my set, and I at the very last song that I played, all of a sudden, all the dynamics came through. Like, all the sound just worked all of a sudden. And the whole crowd was like, it's been leading to this. Yeah. <laughs> and I remember I leaned in, and I was like, hey, hey, y'all, uh, my name is Kind Beats. The last 57 minutes are not is not the way my music sounds. This is the way it sounds. I apologize. I hope y'all enjoyed it, though. And um, I got done. Got off that set. I was pissed. There was a green room. It was like a, mm-hmm. I don't know, there was a toilet in there. There was not even a door. Like, if you've ever been to the Aardvark, it's a room, and then there's just a shitter off to the left. They just took a bathroom and took the stalls out of it, <laughs> is all that they, they did, and just left one in there. So I went in there. I was fucking pissed. You know, because even though it's only 20 people, man, like, you you just don't want to play a set where your own music that you know doesn't sound like shit sounds like shit, because most of the dynamics that you work so hard to put into it are gone, you know? Um, and I came out, and even the bartender apparently walked up to the sound guy, was like, yo, man, this is not going well. <laughs> like, what is going on? I walked up, the bartender was like, yo, man, can I get you a couple free beers on the house? Like, so if the fucking bartender notices that something's fucked up, like, then you know something was, was, was fucking going on. Uh, then the promoter, um, no name needed, because uh, I genuinely love the dude, uh, walked up to me and he was like, and uh, after me played Mojo, um, which is like a six-piece band. They're actually, they're a great band, man. Um, they're doing good for themselves now. But he walked up to me and he said, Yo, here's the promoter said, here's 10 bucks. And I was like, 10 bucks? He's like, yeah, that's what we got at the door. I was like, dude, I saw at least 20 to 30 kids walk through. He goes, oh, yeah, if they're not here to see the music, they just let them in. I go, well, who the fuck would say I'm here to see the fucking music if you're just going to let them in? <laughs> Tell me fucking Led Zeppelin's playing in there. Oh, no, I just came for Bud Light. Fuck Led Zeppelin. <laughs> like, you know, fuck. Stevie, Stevie fucking Wonder, Stevie Ray Vaughan's ghost is in there playing. I'm not here for that shit. You know, that, that's like, seriously how that place worked. And, like, and, and I told him, I said, you keep, I said, give the fucking money to the fucking seven piece band up there. So those guys can buy themselves each a fucking taco on the way home. <laughs> and, uh, I was, I, so I just, I was out. That was a low, that was, that, that, that was a low point. Uh, that really sucked. Um, just, just, it was a garbage experience. Um, one of the, uh, some of the highs, you know, I, I, rem- I try to do my best to remember the highs a lot more than the lows, you know? Um, one of the highs was uh, I had an album release party uh, last year. And was this for the Music to yeah, Cuddle 2? Yeah, it was Music to Cuddle 2 Volume 3. Um, so we've had one, two, three. Number four will come out this year. And I saw, I had Juice of the Emissary and the Boombox. I wanted those guys to play the show. And I joked around because I told the Boombox, I was like, yo, like, you know why I booked y'all, right? And they're like, wow. I was like, because there's seven of you. And whenever I go up, that's at least seven more people in the crowd who might <laughs> wouldn't have been there. You know? Um, and honestly, it was like a logistics thing. I was like, man, if each of those guys brings three people, that's 21 people. And the cover was $10, um, which is kind of a big cover um, in, in Denton at times, you know. But I had confidence in myself and I had tallied up how many people I knew were just going to come. So when the boombox gave me their number that they needed, I was like, cool, I, I'm pretty sure that at least that many people are going to be there. And Juice of the Emissary, who's my favorite producer in town, had played last year and so I was going to pay him more. And I was like, well, if I can, I know I can do that. Like I should be able to do that. Um, so one of the guys who was helping me put on the show said, let's let the first 25 people in for free. I was like, why the fuck would 25 people show up? 
that's fucking incredible. I'm not. They're here. They'll pay the ten bucks. It'll be fine. Like we, we, like how desperate do we want to look? You know how how uh, you know lack of confidence can you possibly appear to be like? Hey, just 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 fucking come, please. Just please. Well, seventy people showed up. You know, we sold seventy tickets, um, and at ten dollars a pop. You know, so that was really cool to not only be able to like pay the bands and you know pay you know the 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 guys who helped me put on the show. Um, but also like I invested my own money into like decor and I put like candles and flowers on each chair and I had this whole bit where we had the big screen and Andy's down and it was a fireplace. And when the screen came up, it was me laying in front of my TV, which had a fireplace going on an HDMI <laughs> cable. And I had all these like records around me. I had some John Klimmer, some Tony Bennett, some Anita Franklin, all the stuff that I had sampled, you know, for the, for, for that album, I had it laying around me and I was just laying there very Ron Burgundy-esque. <laughs> and I had like a glass in my hand and I, you know, I had a smoke machine that I was clicking. So it kind of looked like the fire on the TV was actually making <laughs> smoke happen. So the, it went up and I was like, well, hello. You know, I was like, I'm glad y'all could be here this evening. Throughout my years, I've studied the greats of cuddling, you know, and like just talked like <laughs> a genuine, like a goof. Um, but I remember my dad showed up and he was like, there's nobody here. I was like, dad, it's 530. The show starts <laughs> at seven. <laughs> Just busting my balls right away. I'm telling you, man. Like he just loves doing it, and um, and uh, he was like, nobody fucking here, you know. And my dad didn't realize that like this was a show. He thought we were just gonna show up and sit in this bar and listen to the music play over the PA's. <laughs> and I was like, no, this is a whole thing that I've put together, and it just went so well. And then um, on the last uh, song, um, the boombox all came back on the stage and played the final track with me. Um, and I've never played my music with a live band before. And those guys are just talented in general, and Matt Westmoreland like picked it up right away. And, and the bass and, sucked. Yeah, <laughs> you know, and and all those guys did just picked it up right away. And there's a bunch of pictures of it, and there's a picture of me just like with this huge smile on my face, you know, because it was really cool to have that experience and play with those guys and to sell the number of tickets to have 70 people just show up and come. And that wasn't, you know, the people that got in. I think there was something like 80, 85 people there. Yeah. I think so. Hagen and I I think that night had a gig and then we came right at that last song and really, I was like, Holy shit, there's a fuck ton of people here. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was really fun, man. I, like I said, and everyone was into it. It wasn't just like a bunch of people just standing there. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a, it's, it's an ego boost, but it's also a humbling experience at the same time. You know, like it, it, it shows like, oh, hey, yeah, this is, this is why I do this, you know. Um, and then from that gig, uh, this lady who worked at Windstar uh, left her card with Todd Little. And I ended up getting, uh, I am the backup resident DJ for Windstar as of right now. <laughs> So when their main guy can't make it, I get to go up there and make me a cool 500 bucks in three hours. Hell yeah. They put me up in a room. Like, dude, it was awesome. Like, so this lady, Stephanie, left her card, and um, I sent a few emails, never heard anything. One day I was sitting at lunch. I didn't recognize the number. Let it ring. They left a message. It was like, hi, this is DJ Noe of Windstar. Click. Didn't even listen to what he had to say after that. (laughs) You know, I just called him right back. He said, hey, I've got a gig that I can't make. Uh, Can you come play it? I was like, fuck yeah. You know, so I got to go up to Windstar and that was the first time where I had ever gone, even though it's just Oklahoma, it's, you know, an hour away that I've ever gone somewhere and like gone into a hotel room and like, you know, made that kind of money pressing fucking buttons, 
You know, <laughs> you know like, I like how you're not afraid to say that. You no, press dude, that's buttons. what the fuck it is, man. It's you, you press buttons here. DJing is playing songs in a continu- in a continuous manner that blends nicely. Yeah, that's all Which, the fuck it is. That is a scale. It, 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 at times, you know, it, it can be. It can be because there's guys who are there's people, not guys, girls too, who are fucking great at it. Like Sanford Black is one of the best DJs in Denton or period that I've ever seen. He can he'll have a song going, he'll and all of a sudden it's the next one and he'll do it for four hours straight. You know, you can go watch him at Harvest House for four hours. He's never gonna fuck up. If he does, he did it on purpose just to get your attention. You know, um, I've seen a DJ before who actually had recorded that popping noise that you hear yeah. when someone pulls a thing out of a speak like and so she played that and everyone was like oh no like shit right right when the song was building to this cool like drop she clicked that sample and we're like oh no and then she doom puts it right back on oh and everyone just so there's there there can can be an art form to it but that night was a lot of fun man you know i walked around the casino i'm not a gambler so i didn't spend a dime you know uh gambling but like, um, I had a very like forgetting Sarah Marshall moment where I was sitting eating like my, my turkey croissant sandwich like alone at a table like drinking a mimosa, <laughs> just like he does like every morning by himself. That's how I felt. I was just like, well, yeah, cheers, just hotel. <laughs> cheers <laughs> to me. Uh, yeah, yeah. So that that was a lot of fun, man. And um, the crowd was really receptive. There was a guy up there with uh, from Denton. And uh, it was like a Mother's Day thing or something. Like he said, it was a tradition for him and his mother to go up to Windstar and just gamble like right. every year for Mother's Day or something. So he asked me, he's like, "Can you play Thriller?" Sure. One guy asked me, he goes, "Hey man, I doubt you can fit this in, but can you play some Godsmack?" <laughs> I was like, "Fuck, man! Like, you mean the band from Scorpion King?" Like, <laughs> like I was like. You know, it's just like, oh, I stand alone. Like, how am I supposed to, like, sl- smoothly transition into that after I've been playing, like, Migos and Michael Jackson all night? Yeah. Uh, and then I was like, I don't think so, man. He's like, all right, all right, I get it. He goes, how about some Dwight Yoakam? I was like, dude, I don't even know who the fuck that is, so yes. <laughs> he was like, he was here the night, he was here last night. So I played, I played the Dwight Yoakam, and that worked out well. Um, that was a fun time, man. You know, it's that's a different experience to go to a place that's that big with that many people and the go-go dancers and it's that whole atmosphere. And that's that's when I was a DJ. You know, I was a DJ that night. I wasn't like Kind Beats, the beat maker, yeah. you know, like that person. So that was a, those are the two highs. And then, you know, besides that one bitch who drank all the Michelobes and told me that the music was depressing. Enough said. Yeah. That wasn't even a low. I was just yeah. like fending off another one of those. I was yeah. shooing a fly away. Yeah. So before we move into our last segment, uh, you have your own uh, radio show. Mm-hmm. Um, we were on it. We had yeah. to be limited what we were allowed to say. Yep. So I'm going to, uh, I have a couple things I yes. have of you. Um, can you say fuck real quick? Fuck. Uh, what's the shittiest thing about Bucky's being in Denton? The shittiest thing about Bucky's being in Denton is the fact that um, I'm gonna have like my insides torn out by those Bucky Nug fucking things that are spicy but are so goddamn good. I've actually wanted to research the Beaver, find out how to fuck. I don't think you know what you just said. <laughs> <laughs> like, how did the Beaver get such a following? Don't know. Yeah. Everybody loves it. Okay, I let's move it. on. That wasn't really shit talking a local business, so I'm not happy with that. What's your favorite <laughs> snack? <laughs> hey, that's good. Yeah. Um, my favorite snack is is 
the you know his flaming hot Cheetos, man. I fucking love those things. I can. Is it because it, you are a flaming hot that Cheeto? Is exactly why. <laughs> I'm sorry. Exactly. Nah, it's cool, man. For Halloween this year, I was going to wear all white and just put like a few little splots of like fake blood and I was going to be a tampon, you know, because the top of my hair is red. <laughs> I wonder we're, how that would have gone. Yeah, we were wondering how that would go over though, you know. So we, we, we went against that. I just want you to know in my better case of judgment, I was like, nah. <laughs> Probably not piss this. Off Good on you yeah, for doing man. the right thing. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Not always, but you know. Hey! What's everybody listening to? Who's ready? I'll go. We'll go around first, and then okay. you you can go. Um, there's a lot of stuff I've been listening to, but I'm just gonna talk about two things. Um, there's a hardcore progressive metal band. They they kind of like are in between the two genres called Silent Planet that uh, I saw play on Sunday at. The door? Is it the door still? Who cares? Is it the yeah, door? I don't know. Um, but it's fucking incredible. Um, the vocalist has a master's in psychology mm. and is like a huge history buff. So if you listen to the lyrics, which is sometimes hard to do in hardcore music, uh, <laughs> but if you listen to the lyrics, they're really cool. And uh, the music is, is great. Um, and then I've been listening to this Americana country folk guy named uh david ramirez he's from austin and uh the album he put out last year i've been listening to that a lot it's really really good and he didn't mention slipknot no adam what are you listening to um so i saw bohemian rhapsody recently and so i've been listening to a lot of queen yeah we both saw i saw it too yeah what'd you think i liked it yeah i Uh, liked it too more than i thought i would i liked it I'm way too like Queen is one of my favorite bands. Mm-hmm. So how I've explained this to everyone, I liked it and I enjoyed it a lot. But it's like reading a book and then seeing the movie based off the yeah. book. Yeah, I know not, too not much exactly about accurate. Queen to actually fully enjoy that movie. I explained that it was kind of like watching a sports film, like yep. you go see Miracle or Remember the Titans or something along exactly. those lines, where it's good, but you know I'm not like angry after yeah. i watched it yeah. so. we probably shouldn't get into it because i could go <laughs> into this for a long time so mm-hmm. but, move on but yeah so some queen just kind of revisiting that uh i realized i haven't listened to a lot of their albums mm-hmm. have you listened uh, to hot space yet no i haven't it's a piece of shit that's what i got <laughs> there's the movie, only so. there's one good thing from it and it's under pressure oh that was the the cocaine years with david bowie right yeah I don't like but, 80s Queen. That yeah, so much. I've been listening to some Queen, not the 80s Queen, mm-hmm. and uh, some live Queen. albums by Nick Cave and the Bad Seeds because I saw them a couple weeks ago in Dallas. How was that and show? And really loved it. Yeah. Best show I've been to, I think. I wish I had nice. gone. Um, so their live albums are really good, and I usually don't like live albums. So I think that says a lot. And that's it for me. Uh, I've been listening to Tom York's uh, score. Of course you have. Well, fuck. <laughs> I've been listening to Tom York's score uh, for the movie Suspiria. Uh, full disclosure, have not seen the movie. I don't like horror movies, and I will be seeing the movie when it's out on a digital format, so I don't. I can turn it off when I'm scared. That is like that is me being completely honest. Uh, but I do really like it. Uh, his. I was listening. There's a track where there's some drums on. It, and I was like, 
oh, these drums are really good. Tom York doesn't play drums. Like, that's one of the things I know mm-hmm. unequivocally. He does not play drums. I was like, who played it? It was his son. Oh, that's cool. His daughter also did the artwork. So that's nice. That's um, cool. Motherfucker. Yeah. I, I just get so lucky, York. Yeah. Just popping out <laughs> some quality kids. <laughs> yeah. They're, yeah, I, didn't, I don't play the drums, but my son did. There's a great interview on this press junket he's been doing for this uh, movie yeah. where the interviewer asks him, are you happy? And it's just like, man, he immediately goes on the defensive and then he realizes, oh, I was just aggressive. And then he goes, yeah, I'm okay. <laughs> it is like, it's the most like funny and terrifying thing I've ever seen. I'm like, oh my God, oh, man. He, that's real. That's real emotion right there. <laughs> I just saw in like a very rich and successful man. Yeah. But uh, so also on top of that, been listening to a lot of D'Angelo. Um, yeah, D'Angelo's mm-hmm. great. Yeah, I I won't go on on that. Here's the other thing. My last thing I've been listening to, and I don't even know if I like it. Has anybody heard of this album by Daughters? The um, you won't get what you want. Nah. So I listened to this before, uh, but Anthony Fantano gave it a ten. But I listened to it before he gave it a ten, and I was like, because a lot of people were talking about it. I listened to it, and I was like, it. You know, this is fine. Like, I like it, but it's not great. This is fine. And then he gave it a 10. And I was like, wow, he's got a lot of good reasons. So I went back and listened to it. And I was like, I hear what he's saying. I don't think it's a 10. But here's the thing. I keep coming back to it. I've listened to it like maybe four or five times this week. And I can't stop listening to it. And I don't even think I like it. <laughs> so like, I think I agree with his 10 just because like, I keep coming back. I'm like, what is this? It's such like, it's not a, like, I couldn't pick a song off the album and be like, let's listen to this. It's like, you have to listen to it from front to back. And it's it's very, like, I was in a good mood yesterday, listened to this album, and then I was really fucking bummed out. It really is an adventure. So, I recommend it. If anything, uh, the artwork for that album is incredible. Some of them, I think it might be one of my favorite artworks I've ever seen on an album before. What are you listening to, Mr. LaCroix? Yeah, so... While I'm drinking Topo Chico? Yes, you son of a bitch. (laughs) Oh my God, I can't believe you would just do that right here. (laughs) Insult me and my family. Uh, So one cat that I really like, um, he goes by the name Beatmaker Kells. So it's Beatmaker and then K-E-L-Z. This is just a kid who lives up in Oklahoma, um, on SoundCloud, I like to click and see who follows or like who the guys I like are following. And this kid's got a couple people who follow him. And, uh, so yeah, Beatmaker Kells, he just put out a new, a new EP, super dope. Um, another guy who I really like goes by the name of Guggins, G-U-G-G-N-Z. And then another cat by the name of Ian Ewing. Um, all of these guys, um, are producers and, or, you know, DJs. Uh, one other guy is a dude by the name of Sanford Black. That's right. I'm dropping the homie's name because he just put out an album and it's really, really good. It's called 33-Year-Old Boy. And uh, it's really an experiential type of record where when you do listen to that, you listen to the whole thing. You, you don't skip a single track because they all blend together really well. Adam's going to have fun with the show notes this week. No, that was pretty short compared to when we have like a four-person well, I mean, like band on. Looking so. up a bunch of producers and stuff. He's I feel like all, that's harder than looking up just like a, yeah. <laughs> yeah, th- those dudes are all, and you can reach out to all of those people too. That's what's fun about it. Like, 
bureaucratic and flamingosis are two of my favorites and i got to open for those guys and they were super cool you know very 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 friendly so you know but so when you meet people who you like look up to in that in that world and then they're your own age it feels kind of weird but you know then when they're super friendly cool guys it's it's nice it's nice well you've got a show coming up new year's eve yeah yeah, Dallas, uh, Deep Elm Art Company, December 31st with uh, Mojo and Henry and the Invisibles. And I think there's one other that they're going to add on there. So that's going to be it's going to be a fun night. A lot of funk music that night for sure. I'll be leaving. I'll be leaving a lot of my jazz stuff at home and playing mostly funk music that night. All right. So, Where else can people find you? Uh, you can find me on Instagram on Kind Beats, SoundCloud, Kind Beats, Snapchat, Kind Beats, Facebook, Kind Beats. Um, you have if a you, Snapchat? Yeah, yeah, I know. If you go to YouTube and you type in Kind Beats, there's a one other guy, and he's a really good drummer. Just, so you'll know it's not me. Dislike everything he does. No, him and I have already talked. We're okay. cool. <laughs> and that's not a joke. Because uh, Octopia tagged him in a post uh, um, and posted one of his videos. Which did he like, show How up? How the fuck do you post this guy? I live in the same town as you. Like, <laughs> We're Danielle, friends. Danielle was like, oh shit, our bad. Uh, but he messaged me. He was like, hey, man, um, this isn't me. I think it's you. Uh, congrats on the show, though. <laughs> so I was like, oh, thanks, man. I was like, we have the same name. He's like, yeah, it's cool with me. Is it cool with you? I was like, yep. Tight. There so, you go. Yeah. Love you. Bye. Maybe we can do a show one day. It's like kind beats. You know? <laughs> beats. Yeah. That'd so, be good. Him playing. Yeah, December playing 31st will you? be fun. Um, and that's going to be a good time. And then... December 20th, I'm actually playing there too, but I'm uh, DJing for a burlesque show. Oh, That'll so. be real fun. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I've done multiple drag shows and it's time to do a burlesque. So, yeah, that's awesome. I'll get to experience all the realms. Adam, can they find us? Have they found us if they've listened this far? Probably have, but if not, we're on Instagram and that's really all that matters at this point. Uh, don't Feed the Artist at DFDA Podcast and uh, Don't Feed the Artist.com. Yeah. I don't think we care about our Twitter or Facebook, really, do we? Didn't even know we had a Twitter. I don't have a Twitter. (laughs) Yeah. I know that people look at our Facebook. I know that. I do. But sometimes. If you want to find us on Facebook, go for it. Because you want to steal our artist. Sometimes I still listen to Moniker. (laughs) The music's on my laptop. No, it's depressing music. Yes. When I'm feeling sad. Yeah. Well, uh, this, uh, this is coming out on my birthday, so woo! Yeah.